It's time for episode 89 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Thursday, May 28th, 2015. Clockwise. Four people, four Google I.O. topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's happy to give you the time of day. I'm your returning co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined this week, let's say this week only, by Jason Snell. That's not true. He's here most weeks. Hi, Dan. Welcome back. Hi, Jason. It's good to be back. We uh, are recording this a little later than usual because we wanted to wait until after the Google I.O. keynote so we could wait talk a second. about I what Google it was so is so I could to. get back. Also, <laughs> it allows you to be present and awake. So, hi. All our technology topics today, all about Google I.O. To my left, our first of our two panelists, Mr. Andy Anako. Hi, Andy. Hello. I'm glad I wore the astronaut diapers because it made me, allowed me to be here behind the microphone on time and relaxed. The more information than we need. And to my left from Slovenia, uh, I call him in whenever we need to know about Android uh, phones, especially if they are delivered in paper bags. It's Andrzej Tomic. Hello. Hi. Yeah, you're, you're getting a hang of pronouncing my name. It's not fun anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> yes. So um, I'm going to kick things off as I'm today's designated co-host. Uh, and so as we said, all our topics, a little bit about this uh, little Google I.O. keynote that ended just a short while ago as we record this. And the thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was this Google Now on Tap feature, which they demonstrated. Um, so Google's done this whole, you know, as with Microsoft and Amazon and Apple, Google has its own voice activated digital assistant, uh, though it refers to it only as OK Google it doesn't have like a like a personality or something. It's just sort of a, you know, an, a way to search Google with your voice often. Um, but it's sort of it talked a bit about all the things it was doing to improve the communication that you could do with your with your smartphone or device with your voice. And one of the things I thought was really cool was this whole contextual thing where, so I, I do this to Siri all the time when, you know, Siri, I, I try to send a message or something and, you know, Siri gets back to me and says it didn't quite work. And I'm like, oh, change that thing to this, you know, just like as if I were talking to somebody else. Um, but Google, or, you know, Siri doesn't understand context. It doesn't know what you mean by that or her or him a lot of times. And so Google's has spent a lot of time investing in this whole machine learning thing uh, and trying to get a smarter, more contextual, more, in some ways, person-like interactions with your phone. So I'm curious to know what you think about this. Is this whole like push towards these virtual assistants things, is this sort of a fad, or do you think this is, this is going to go the distance? Andy, what about you? Uh, that's an absolute spot-on feature. Uh, you, you, you're, we're running out of ways to impress people with cameras, and here's how big the screen is, and wow, look at that, we've got a fingerprint sensor. You really have to figure out ways to just blow people's minds with a way of making their lives easier. And the ability to simply be looking at a text message from a friend that says, hey, do you want to meet at this place at that time? And then say, I have no idea what you mean by this place. I've never been there before. And I'm not sure if I even I'm free that day. Now, if you just hold the long press on the home key, it will say, well, uh, here is a review of the restaurant this person is mentioning. And here is your schedule for that day. You are free. Would you like me to create a calendar reminder for you? That's the sort of thing where you take this phone out of your pocket, you show it to somebody. And then your, the next question is, what phone is that? And are they for sale yet? So that's a huge, huge deal. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think this is one of those areas where Google is just so much better, I think better than anybody 
at this sort of at this sort of stuff. And um, this is also stuff that is kicked off by some deep integration into the operating system, which means if you're an iOS user, you have to hope that Apple uh, will do things like this. And while Apple is going down this road with Siri, the fact is that Siri doesn't do this stuff. And I feel like Apple isn't as nearly as close to this as, as Google is. So good on Google for using this stuff that they're good at to try and intuit things about your life because, you know, phone, it's nice that we have our smartphones, but um, they are little tiny pieces of glass. And, and uh, you know, you can, as they said in the keynote, you can open another browser window and do some searches and figure out what the context is. Or you can press this button and it says, oh yeah, I know what this is all about. I think that's pretty cool that you don't have to ask, you don't have to kick it into, okay, uh, Mr. Search Engine, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to turn on all your phones. Ahoy, uh, Search Engine. Ahoy, Search Engine. Uh, to, you know, what's the deal with this email message? You can just touch and it, it it knows the context of where you are. Or if you do say something, um, and that was one of the demos, it knows the context of what you are there. So if you're playing music and you say, who is this artist? It knows what artist is playing and can tell you more about them or whatever. That's pretty cool. So um, yeah, I think this is the perfect kind of feature for Google to build into Android because they're good at this stuff, um, this cloud-based intelligent stuff. And knowing the context is something that the OS vendor really needs to to, to be in control of. And this is their operating system. So yeah, I, I think it looked really cool. Well, you see, I, when I hear you guys talk about it, it all sounds like magic. But like, I'm just wondering how it's going to work in other languages. <laughs> like, that's the, like, that's the first thought I have when I like, see this kind of stuff. Like, I do actually use Google Now quite a lot. And my girlfriend thinks I'm crazy every time I talk English into my phone <laughs> and ask it stuff. Like, that's just, she goes insane every time, but it's easier. So why not? And it does really get my accent, right? Like I have, like I think like Sundar said, like they reduced the, or somebody said they reduced the sort of the voice recognition uh, problems by like, I don't know, from 25% mistakes to like eight or whatever. And that kind of shows, especially with my, you know, Bond villain sort of Eastern European <laughs> kind of accent. And that is actually true. So I, I like for me personally, I'm really excited about that because like maybe if it can recognize my, like my voice, I guess it's English stuff is going to be perfect. But like for anybody over here that uses like the Slovene menus and stuff, it's kind of, you know, it's one of those features that's basically for you guys. So yeah, but like, like Andy said, like that's one of those things where it's sort of, it, like it's a software thing that makes you want the phone. And like, I think that that's where the whole of the differentiation is going to come from, from now on, because we're pretty much done with the hardware. I shouldn't have said that, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, like you can only compare so many things, but like the software side and just like contextually aware assistants are kind of, kind of awesome, but in English, again, I'm a bond villain. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I, and I agree with what a lot of you said, and and I think especially with my experiences between the the Amazon Echo and the, and Siri and, and OK Google and that kind of stuff, I said it, Jason. Sorry. Oh, damn! Uh, oh. Terrible. No one uses that here, right? Um, I, I think what you what you learn a lot of times is that the the sort of comprehension is very broad, but not very deep, and it's pretty easy to get sort of out of the depth and break that whole illusion that you're talking to like an intelligent being uh, pretty quickly by you know saying things that are really easy that a person 
person could understand, but that a computer has a lot of trouble with. It's sort of that same problem they discussed with, like, uh, I think Flickr took the XKCD joke about telling whether or not something is a bird in a picture. It's like, that is really easy for people to do and really hard for computers. So sort of taking that and making computers smarter and our interactions with them a lot less frictionful, I think, is a is a major, a major move on their part. And I, I really look forward to seeing that across all of these voice assistant lines. That's one topic down. For the next topic, I'll turn it over to our very own Andy Anako. Like you, Dan. Um, one of the key phrases that the, uh, Google kept repeating was about the next billion users, about we don't have everybody who has smartphones, partly because they're too expensive for some people, partly because the internet access is not very good where they are, and sometimes because they simply can't afford either the phone or the internet access. And so uh, it couldn't help but notice as a, as a follower of all these keynotes that whereas Apple spends a lot of time talking about, let me tell you about the sort of gold that we're putting into our $16,000 gadget watch. And just yesterday at the at the code conference, the uh, the head of uh, Oculus was saying, "Oh, we have a great VR solution, and it's only going to cost fifteen hundred dollars because you're going to have to buy a special computer." Meanwhile, Google wants us to meet Zach. Zach is a potato farmer in Kenya. His crops were dying. <laughs> so he went to Cyber Cafe and used Google search to find a site that explained that perhaps if he were to sprinkle wood ash over his crops, his fields, it would kill the ants and it works. And now he had a successful harvest. And it spent all this time talking about how if you don't – parts of the world that has terrible internet access. So that's why we're optimizing search uh, and we're op- optimizing the browser to reduce uh, 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 broad- broadband load by 80%. We're making things like maps and YouTube cacheable so that you can go to the place in town that has internet access and then when you come home you can still have your map and you can still have your YouTube does this make and, and of course and cardboard they have a VR solution where here's a piece of cardboard fold it the way we tell you to do in three steps put your existing smartphone in there and see these 360 degree panoramas that we're also releasing a free standard for so does it make a company like Apple or Samsung or any other company look like a bunch of dopes for talking about these really hugely expensive $600, $700 smartphones and their other gadgets when they're having to share the states to the same venue with a company that simply said, here's what we're doing for people who just don't have enough money. Our point is to make sure that people have access to technology no matter what their income level. I'm glad you mentioned the cardboard thing because I was going to bring that up and I thought that was a really telling moment that there there is, I believe firmly that there is a place for the Oculus, you know, we're going to push this technology and it's going to be expensive but it's going to be incredibly awesome and eventually it will grow out of that. There is a place for that in the technology industry. But why... Are we too are we too big? Are we too highfalutin to say there's also a place for something clever where we fold up a piece of cardboard and stick our smartphone in it and get a you know an acceptable VR experience for the cost of a piece of cardboard? I think there's a place for both. Now, Google's business is very different from Apple's business or Samsung's business. And, and Google can do this because Google is giving away Android anyway, right? Google part of uh, you know Google's not making money in the same way that that that, that Apple and Samsung are. But that said, I do think it is a really strong point that while Apple is focused on uh, not just the high end, but also the middle class. So in, like in, in countries like China, they're seeing huge middle class growth and Apple is pitching them to that market. Um, what Apple is not doing with their hardware and what Google is doing by making uh, partners with makers of lower cost hardware and their operating system is enabling uh, the use of that technology by for, by people who otherwise probably couldn't afford technology of any kind, and I think it's great. But I think I think it is also a very different kind of company, Google, from a hardware company like Apple or Samsung. Do, does it make Samsung and Apple look like dopes? I, like yes, 
I guess that <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like that. But the, sort of being from here, right? It sort of makes like that's why I like Google more. Like just the offline maps feature, stuff like oh, that. Oh, so good. Yeah, makes so like that makes so much sense. It's insane, right? It's it's I can't like I was just jumping up and down now like <laughs> when I saw that because no because offline maps was there before right but that's one of those features where now you're, you'll be able to search and stuff right so every time I go to a non-EU country which I've talked about on Clockwise I think before where the money I have to pay for one megabyte of data on uh, like roaming chargers is but I. I probably have to sell my kidney to pay off that bill but like it's like like just stuff like that sort of that's why i'm more drawn towards google i guess because they, they they there seems to be sort of a sensitivity to that like to that stuff more than any other of the big tech uh, companies now well and it's true and i think you know part of it goes into i think what jason was saying a little bit earlier about the difference between google and apple as far as like a you know software company via hardware company in some ways, Google product Google's product is a lot more scalable. I mean, if you look at like a lot of their services, things like search or mail or even this new photo stuff, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to just deploy that more widely. And of course, again, if you do want to take that cynical view, they need people to be able to get online in order for them to use their products. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's no problem with it both being something that they want to do as sort of, you know, out of the goodness of their heart, if you will, uh, as well as something that helps them their bottom line, right? And it's nice when those when those interests are aligned. And so I think in this case, you know, it, it does make a lot of sense for Google because it has more or less low deployment costs in terms of its own investiture and this sort of thing. Like it's not building phones and trying to come up with things that it can sell to you know to people in in less de, you know in developing countries, for example, that it's still going to be able to make a profit on, right? You know, margin. Wise, Apple selling an iPhone in you know developing countries is a lot harder you know, because the that's just not how their their model works. Um, and so I think they're taking different approaches, but they everybody is trying to sort of figure out how to crack this idea of well, how do we reach all these corners of the earth that we haven't gotten to yet? Uh, and I think perhaps Google has a little bit of an easier time with it, but uh, it's it's good that they're that they're doing it anyways. Balloons is the answer, Dan. They're doing it with balloons. It's, it's the answer to everything. <laughs> Speaking of Bond villains, yeah. All right, that's two topics down. We're halfway through this one. Time for our halftime sponsor. This episode and halftime of Clockwise brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting. You can share status updates from your phone as you're leaving the client site and access the latest version of a file from home. You can even do this in your pajamas and nobody will know. And I and uh, you know you could also do podcasts from your pajamas. Not that I. I'm wearing pajamas right now. I'm totally wearing pajamas. Everything is mobile. Your work should be too. If you've ever looked at your internet and thought, who designed this? They hate me. They hate everything about life and everything I know. Those days are over with Igloo. It's It lets you make your intranet feel like a place you'll actually want to be. It's configurable. You can rebrand it to give it the look and feel that fits with your team. Thanks to group spaces, there's role-based access permissions and an easy drag-and-drop widget editor so you can reorganize the whole platform to fit exactly how your teams work. With our mobile lives, people are getting increasingly uh, connected to outside apps. They're bringing those apps into companies. Sensitive documents are getting scattered across different platforms. This can cause problems, but not if you use Igloo. Igloo in integrates with services like Box and Google Drive and Dropbox into one biggie, easy to secure 
platform. With Igloo, you can share files with your coworkers for everyone to collaborate on. You can track who's read them with, with red receipts, and that can be super useful for making sure that that critical information has actually been seen by the people who need to see it. So it's time to take a break and move away from the intranets that you hate. So sign up for Igloo right now. You can try it for free for any team with up to 10 people for as long as as you want. So sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash clockwise. That's igloosoftware.com slash clockwise. Thank you so much to Igloo for sponsoring Halftime at Clockwise. Now we move on to topic number three. It's my turn. Android M was discussed today at the Google I.O. keynote. It adds a bunch of new things, um, some permissions granularity, some energy savings in apps that are that are taking a snooze, um, and uh, Google Pay, which is an interesting combination of sort of Apple's messaging about Apple Pay with some of the Google Wallet stuff kind of replayed in a way that I, I think was actually really smart on, on Google's part. But mostly, they said right up front, Google M was about stability and bug fixes and making the system work better. And given the rumblings we've heard from users and developers and and rumor sites that Apple is also focusing on stability with its OS releases. I wanted to ask you, is 2015 truly the year of OS bug fixes? And is that good news, Anjay? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I hope so. And that's good news because they just, they need to slow down. Like, especially on the Android side, since like I'm, I have an Access 5, so I was, uh, I got um, uh, Android L, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no. What's what's the last version? I don't know. The alphabet, I guess. Lollipop. Yeah. Lollipop. Lollipop. Yeah. Lollipop. And the first the first couple of weeks were just awful. Like uh, until the first uh, point one release, so it was just just my phone looked like it was from 1996, basically, and it just everything slowed down. It was all jittery and stuff. And then there was a point one release, and everything was fine again. Like that needs to stop happening. And I saw the same thing on iOS, you know, with seven. And then when eight came out, I guess eight was a little better than seven at the beginning. It's getting ridiculous. Like I do get, I do get that you need to add new features and stuff, but just like they they can take a year off, right, and just fix stuff, just make it work better, right. And I hope that's 2015. Like I sincerely hope when Apple uh, like previews the next version of iOS, so it's it's gonna be all you know stability, security, like it's been rumored. It's like I sincerely hope that's true because I just it's it, enough already. Like the low hanging <laughs> foot like has been picked, and just just yeah, back fixes, which isn't terribly exciting, but you know, yay. <laughs> First off, Jason, I think the correct pronunciation is Android. Mm. Mm. We're, we're, consistent, we're continuing with the food trend. Um, no, I, I agree that there, you know, there's kind of these different phases of product releases, right? And I think right now, you know, the phone is starting to, you know, the smartphone as an item is trying to transition into a new phase where it's not about like this breathless pace of. Oh my God, everybody's using smartphones. Quick, let's roll out every single feature we can think of, um, you know, every single year. Uh, and I think that's that's sort of the initial excitement as the novelty is there. And, you know, the smartphones have been around for, we're closing in on a, on a decade since the iPhones release. Um, and so obviously smartphones have been around for a little bit longer than that too. Um, and so this idea that maybe now that this sort of smartphone revolution has has hit its stride, you know, we can, we can, we can take a, take a lean back, you know, and, and revisit sort of what are we really doing with these devices? What needs to be tweaked? What needs to be fixed? What are the experiences that we actually 
uh, prioritize. And, and I think that's not a bad thing. It sort of gives you a chance to zoom out and take a look at a big picture and tighten up a lot of parts of the interface that might be a little wonky. Um, and I, I think that it's hard to, I think in this, in this environment where we do have this sort of war sort of going on between all these different platforms, um, there's always the constant fear that the other guy is going to come out with something better and you need to position yourself to be, you know, still with the state of the art. And you can't really always take a time out to look back at what you've done so far and, and reevaluate. And it's nice when you can do that. Obviously, you know, a lot of people reference this as like sort of maybe this like the Snow Leopard of iOS. And like, and you look at Snow Leopard, like that was several years into the release of OS 10. And if you consider the Mac OS as a whole, that was a ton of years into the release of that as well. Um, stability would definitely be a welcome improvement. I, I look forward to that being a major f- facet of this, but I'm also a little skeptical that they'll be able to take the time out from releasing new features because that's just what the market demands. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 the problem, isn't it? Because nobody wants to have that cocktail party conversation. And what do you do at Apple? Well... I'm responsible for code that takes a look at system cache so that it doesn't page to storage in an inopportune moment that might cause a brief delay in scrolling. They want to say, you know that feature where the phone senses that your shirt is a little bit dirty and automatically has a brand new shirt delivered to your house? My baby. I came up with it. I pitched it. I coded it. That's my baby. See that spot in your shirt? Won't be there in 12 seconds because I just used my phone. That's the sort of, that's the sort of problem. And the thing is, I mean, uh, Apple is no longer making stuff for fans of Apple. and They're no longer making stuff for people who like to be on the cutting edge or even for people who like design. They're, they, they're selling things for people who, who need a laptop. They're selling things for people who need a phone. And they certainly like the design, and they certainly like Apple Pay having that first. They certainly like something like Siri. But their expectations are going to be, why is this phone not working? Why am I losing – why is Wi-Fi dropping out? Uh, and – when as as amazing as all the developments that Android has made in the past two or three years, I mean, it's 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 like they found they found some magic bag of wishes with no hole in the bottom of the bag three years ago because they just turned that operating system operating system around. As much as I like all these features, I want the battery to last more than three or four hours. For God's sake, yes. It's terrible. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think that they could get – all these companies could get a lot of leverage by saying, that well, we got, we got a couple great new features with photos and stuff that we think you're going to like. But here's the amount of time and money and effort we're spending just to make sure that your day-to-day experience is the best experience possible. That gets my attention. I think uh, the sign that, that uh, Apple is going to focus on stability is that uh, at Andy's theoretical po- cocktail party, um, if somebody said, oh, what, I, what do I do? I'm actually the guy responsible for fixing all of those things that drive you crazy about your iPhone. I think the response would be, um, I'm buying the next round here. <laughs> so, uh, But anyway, those are great points. Let's hope 2015 is the year of stability. We have just time for one more topic. Anjay, what is your topic? So yeah, Photos is going independent, and I'm a big fan of Google Photos. And they have the, um, the sort of unlimited photos plan for free which are compressed, and then there's a $10 per month, one terabyte plan where they don't compress anything. And and this is a, like a genuine question because I know a lot of people with like 16 gig iPhones that basically every time they take a picture, they need to delete one, right? So the, the, like, does this, like does Google Photos actually mean the end of that problem? The problem of my phone is full of photos because that's what it looks like. And it works pretty well now. And what they showed, like the new features they showed are even more awesome. So 
That's my question. I, I don't know if it ends that problem, but I definitely think it's, you know, this is another area of huge contention for all of the major players in the tech industry. Amazon's already released this, uh, you know, unlimited photos for, you know, prime subscribers and things like that. So I think if nothing else, everybody is trying to get to the point where their users don't have to worry about this. And the laggard really is Apple in some ways, which still offers a paltry amount of storage for its photo solution. So I, I like you. I hope that this ends up, you know, solving this problem. But I think we're going to have to wait and see how it shakes out and how the integration with iOS devices in particular for Apple users is. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that it's I think I think that most people's point of pain isn't my phone is full of photos, although storage is an issue. It's the idea that I was chasing around my my six year old and I of the 14 pictures I snapped in the in the in 45 seconds, there's maybe one that's actually any good. And that's where the power of Google Photos is the ability to once you once this thing has been synced up to Google Drive, that there's software on the server that says, okay, I can tell that these are basically 16 photos, the exact same one, we're going to pick one just to, to put in the timeline so that you don't have to scroll through you know, like a like a like a flip book animation. Have you, you ever done that? Where you flip, you're scrolling through it, you actually can see people moving through these pictures because you took so many like <laughs> burst mode pictures of the same thing, uh, and the ability to do to do things like sense that uh, there was a demo that I I actually had to immediately get in touch with someone I know at Google who's kind of high up in photos and said, "Are you?" Let me clarify. He's, in the demo, the person said that he never tagged any of these pictures, and yet Photos apparently was able to sense that this photo of a seven-year-old girl is the same girl that was all, that was also this newborn eight hours old. It was able to figure that. Yep, it was able to figure that out. Like, okay, that's actually a little bit too accurate. That's a little bit too scary. <laughs> so, so I, I think I think people would love to have uh, as much storage as they can possibly get. But what they really want is the ability to find the photo they want without being distracted by uh, without being distracted by all the stuff that they don't want, including I want to. Here's I've been in a relationship with uh, with with Cheryl for 11 years. I just want to see 11 years worth of pictures of Cheryl today. Anje, uh, Apple's iCloud photo library actually does sort of solve this problem, uh, and um, I think it's good. I think the idea that you've got a cloud a cloud uh, uh, sync for your photos so that things are always in the cloud, and if you run out of space on your phone, uh, it does the right thing and deletes some, but they're up on the cloud, so it's all okay. Uh, the problem I have is that Apple is charging um, Apple's Apple's cloud uh, cloud drive prices are out of whack with any other competitor in the market. A terabyte from Apple is twice the cost of the um, we won't recompress your your photos plan that, that Google offers. What's the big picture here? I think Apple is a little bit behind in this respect because they just launched iCloud Photo Library. But getting photos in the cloud is, I think, the answer because they're huge. You want them everywhere. Nobody wants their devices to fill up with photos, but they want all their photos accessible when they need them and searchable in a logical way because you don't want to scroll through thousands of photos. So I feel like this is a great step. I'm really excited about it. Google's photo features are really smart, but there's also huge competition here because Facebook also wants your photos, Dropbox wants your photos, Amazon wants your photos. Everybody wants the photos because they know how important photos is in terms of uh, people sticking with an ecosystem and sticking with the service. So a uh, smart move by Google, and I'm looking forward to trying it out. Those are great topics. We're uh, down to our just the end of the show where we've got the bonus topic. The bonus topic this week brought to you by Dashlane. Dashlane's a password manager that already has helped over 2 million users online. Uh, if you have too many passwords, you forget which password you used on which site, you're resetting your passwords all the time, and when you're on the go, you don't remember any of your passwords. That's why you need to use a password manager called Dashlane. Dashlane means that you will never forget another password. 
It's that simple. They're secured on all your devices and are always up to date in one place. And because Dashlane is on your computer and your phone, your passwords are always with you wherever you go. It helps by filling the passwords for you online. You can use complex passwords with numbers and symbols without having to type them. You can get into your accounts immediately or automatically saving you hours of valuable time. Dashlane is free and Clockwise listeners who try it right now will lock in 30% off of a Dashlane premium upgrade. Go to dashlane.com slash clockwise to get the 30% off Dashlane premium offer. That's dashlane.com slash clockwise. Never forget another password. D-A-S-H-L-A-N-E dot com slash clockwise. And thank you to Dashlane for sponsoring the bonus question. Dan, what is the bonus question? Well, as I strolled through uh, London on my brief 48-hour sojourn there earlier this week, I thought, wow, this place hasn't changed a lot in a really long time. If you went back 100 years, it'd probably be pretty similar. And I thought, wow, 1920s London would be a great time period. That's where I would go back to if I could hang out and see what's going on. I'm curious to know what historical era you would live in if you had the choice. Andy? Late 1880s Paris, I would stick around through the Salon of 1894 because pretty much every cool piece of art that has appeared on a postcard or tote bag in the United States was created during this period. I think it would be kind of awesome, not just to be able to see when the when the, when the the paint was still fresh, but also to hang out with some of the people who are creating it. Also, in that period, I could basically take the ferry to London and see the premieres of a couple different Gilbert and Sullivan shows. And then if I still have time and I want to experience what it was like to cross the Atlantic uh, in the 1800s, I could go. Go, I, don't, I don't want to really tour the United States. What all I really wanted is the ability to see the Statue of Liberty when it's still shiny in copper, and you could still climb up the arm. That would be that would be that'd be the selfie that I would that'd be the the title page on the Instagram album that I would post. Uh, really quickly, I'm going to say I would take a, a vacation to the Elizabethan era and and watch some uh, some original Shakespeare at the Globe. I think that would be pretty cool. But then I would come back because hygiene. Yeah, and before healthcare. you have to use the restroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably just like the time of the Great Depression in the States. I know that sounds weird, but that'd be that that'd be basically like a safari for me. Like I'd, I'd like, like the Dust Bowl and all of that stuff. That you know, like you know that HBO show Carnival or whatever yeah, it was. That's yeah, great. that was a great show. That's basically when I want to be there. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's the good answers all. This wraps up our Google I/O edition of Clockwise. Thank you so much, Andy Anako, for being here. Thanks for asking me. And Anjay Tomic, thank you for being back on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. And Dan, that is it for this week, but we'll be back next week with another edition of Clockwise, won't we? At our usual clock time on our usual clock channel. Indeed. And until then, we remind everybody out there, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>